Hey there, conductors. If you've ever felt that you're not quite sure what to do next when you're studying a score, maybe you don't even know where to start with a difficult piece. Maybe you study one piece too much and then you realize at the first rehearsal that you don't know another one well enough. Or maybe you're a new conductor and you don't know what score study is. I'm excited to share that I'm finally publishing and sharing my score study checklist. I've been refining this for 12 years now, and I'm so excited to share it. It is going to walk you through my structure, my process to make sure that I learn every score that I need to learn well enough and so that nothing falls through the cracks. So it covers everything that you need to know. There's a link in the show notes. Go ahead and click it, sign up, and you'll get that score study checklist sent right to your email. You'll also get access to an eight-minute video of me explaining what each section is and how I use it to organize all the music that I need to learn. It's only eight minutes, so it's not going to take you a whole hour to learn how to study better, how to put up a process for your score study and how to make sure that nothing is falling through the cracks. So again, click the link in the show notes, and I hope to see you soon. Now, please enjoy this episode of Podium Time. Hi there, and welcome to Podium Time. This is your host, Jeremy Cuevas, and today we are giving an overview, a summary of some of the basics of building back audiences that we have been talking about and developing this season and will continue to develop. If you are new to the podcast, we are in the middle of our season all about building back audiences and the different ways that we can do that. And today I am going to give an overview of some of that. The episode that was supposed to be coming out this week was our interview with Ruth Hart, and we'll talk about her a little bit later. But if you watched my live editing uh, get-together session on Saturday, you'll see that my podcast, my fancy podcast program wasn't working. So I am going back to my simple podcast program to put this episode together and uh, give you guys something to listen to this week. But I've been meaning to do this for a while, so this was a really good impetus. So again, we are building back audiences this year, and that really comes in two steps. First, that means we need to get new audiences in the door. And second, we need to make sure our audiences come back. That means fixing a couple things and thinking about things a little bit differently. There's a lot of steps to these. So before um, you start making changes, the first thing to really understand is that this is a long-term process. There are no quick fixes to building back audiences. There are some quick things that'll make a big difference immediately that you'll be able to see. But there are really no ways to go from declining audiences to suddenly having a full haul every week. It's going to take a lot of work. Um, And so we're just talking about the frameworks and the new ways to start thinking about things, some of the first steps that you can take and how to make that sustainable for this season. And orchestras are famously barely sustainable. Um, It is very rare to see an orchestra that was doing a great job before the pandemic And um, now everyone's having a really tough time after the pandemic, which is another reason that we're talking about this. So what is the problem that we're facing? Why are we having to build back audiences? Well, the data shows, and we've talked about this in some of our interviews already, that audiences were already declining. Audience numbers for classical music concerts were already going down at about 10% a year, depending on the source. And... Now, with the pandemic and the great acceleration, basically all trends that were happening uh, skipped forward 10 years. So 
audiences are about half. They are, um, you know, you're probably seeing this in your concerts. Some people are starting to come back, but they're not coming back at the level they were before. And so we're really investigating why that is and what we can do about it. And the biggest problem from our past that we need to overcome is that we've only ever served one audience. We've only ever served our core audience with our core concerts. And we were only doing an okay job at that. Um, Again, this is going to be a lot of frameworks and a lot of different ways of thinking of things because classical music and conductors especially, we focus so much on one aspect of the concert experience and orchestras. And it's really so much more complicated than that. And there's so much more to it than that. So let's get started. The biggest paradigm shift that we have to make is what audiences are we bringing back? And as I said earlier, and as we talked about with Aubrey, and as we talked about with David, and as we will talk about with Ruth and Chelsea and Jerry and all the other great guests we have on this season, our audiences are no longer our only audience. So like we said, classical music audiences are diminishing. Part of that's because our art is a little slow to update. Part of that's because, unfortunately, our core audience is getting older and not able to come to concerts or passing away. That Our, our core classical music audience is just not big enough to be sustainable for what we've been doing. So that's what I mean when I say Step one is to bring in new audiences. We want our core to come back. We're not trying to get rid of them, but that group is not big enough anymore. And then again, the second step is to make sure that those audiences come back. So what audiences are we bringing back? Um, And we need to think about our audiences in two different ways, because again, we've only ever served our core audience. And instead of using the word core audience, we're starting to use insiders and outsiders. And we can add a little bit more nuance to this, but basically we've only served classical music insiders. These are people who come to concerts already, or people who, and this this is where it really comes up, classical music insiders know to not clap between movements. And a lot of the insiders still do clap between movements, but insiders is basically anyone who goes to classical music concerts on occasion, and who may recognize some things about classical music. And then outsiders is the other 99% of the population of the world who doesn't know our rules about not clapping, who thinks that you have to wear a tuxedo to go to a concert, who doesn't know what the word concerto means or what that implies, that doesn't know that symphonies have four movements. And we have to be really, really actively empathetic in this case because we are conductors. We are not just insiders. We are hardcore insiders. We know what sonata form is. We know that symphonies evolved out of Baroque forms. We know that the string or the string quartet didn't really exist before Haydn. Normal people don't know that. Normal people don't see Prokofiev's classical symphony and know that that's a piece worth seeing. So, the biggest paradigm shift we have to do is to delineate, to differentiate between the audiences of insiders and outsiders. We've only ever served insider audiences. That's a function of marketing, that's a function of our programming and our events, but it's an important distinction because insiders, we've already got their attention a little bit. If we keep doing what we're doing, we're going to get some insiders to start coming back But a lot of them are already coming to our concerts and already know about it. 
to expand that insider audience, we need to reach to our outsiders. And this is where the big change has to come from what we're doing in almost every aspect of what we're doing. Again, we've only ever served the insiders, so the changes to bring outsiders in are going to be big. Big things like changing how we program our concerts in subtle ways, changing how we think about our concerts in subtle ways, changing how we market our concerts and our orchestras in very subtle ways. So here's a couple ways to think about this. Again, we need to bring outsiders to become insiders. In 10, 15, 20 years, when we have enough outsiders becoming insiders so that our insiders are big enough, then you can totally forget all this if you want to. But until our insider pool is big enough for these orchestras to be sustainable, we have to make some big, big changes. Okay, so our first big change, and this is what we can do as conductors, is to understand the definition between insiders and outsiders and how we can contribute to that. We can't just drop everything on the marketing department and blame them for not bringing orchestras in if we're not programming things that get people to come to the orchestra. So the biggest thing is we need to give outsiders a reason to come to the symphony. Now, we put whatever music we want to put on a concert, and we know it because we are hardcore insiders. But outsiders have no idea. They don't give a shit. They could not care that you're doing a Mahler symphony. They don't care that you have whatever guest artist coming to play this violin concerto. The only people that care about it are insiders. So what we have to do in programming, in marketing, and in our concerts is to connect in some way to something that outsiders already have a connection with. There are a couple different ways to do that, and this is still something that I'm testing that I'm that I'm really nuancing and trying to figure it out. But the two main ways are repertoire. That's the really obvious one. And the other one is to connect it to something that already exists in their lives. So let's look at these two things, these two ways to bring outsiders to the concert for the first time and get them to listen to the music on stage and actually care about going to the concert. We have to connect it to their something in their lives. So first off, music. If you put the Franck Symphony in D, 10 people are, are going to care enough to come to that concert because they love the Franck Symphony in D. That's great. Do it. Put other things on the concert that people are going to have some relationship to. This is a lot of pieces with a title or a tune that they will already know. If you put the Four Seasons on there, people know the Four Seasons enough that they say, oh, that's something I should go to. If you put Romeo and Juliet by either Tchaikovsky or Prokofiev on there, they say, oh, I know what Romeo and Juliet is. I have a connection to this concert in some little way. And that's just the beginning, just the first key turn in a giant door with lots of keys on it to build back audiences. That's one potential way is you can give them a connection in the literal pieces that you are playing that they have in their life. Beethoven 9, Ode to Joy, yeah, people have a connection to that. Um, things that are in movies a lot, like Beethoven 7, they may not know what Beethoven 7 is, but they know the tune of the Allegretto. So, those are a couple ways. Same thing with the planets. These pieces with titles that people have to connect to something that already exists in their life. 
is a great way to start to get somebody interested. The other way that we can reach outsiders where they are is by making something interesting about the concert beyond the music. Now, I have this I have this axiom that I like to share, which is that concerts are not just the music that we perform. A concert is not just the music that we're playing on stage. And we'll get into more of that if you go listen to our interviews with Aubrey. That's so much of what she talks about. But this happens with an events planning thing as well. We did a concert last week. Um, last week being November 5th, 2022. Uh, three days before the midterm elections. We did a concert featuring Stacey Garrup's Battle for the Ballot. Now, the rest of the music on the program was great. We did The Firebird, we did Isle of the Dead. Those are the pieces that classical music insiders are going to get excited for. But seeing Isle of the Dead... So Isle of the Dead and Firebird are actually pretty good because they've got a visual component. They've got a story that you can share, that you can relate to people. But this Stacey Garrett Battle for the Ballot piece we did, it was so easy to connect that to people's lives because people were literally talking about voting the next day. I literally voted before the concert because I dropped off my ballot. That is something to connect to people's lives. In the spring, you can do a spring concert. You can have um, Schumann Symphony Number no. 1. You can do the Four Seasons. You can align the concert with things that people already have a relation to. Even if it's as simple as, hey, it's getting colder, let's do a winter concert. We already see this with the Nutcracker. Every year, people go to see the Nutcracker in droves, partly because they know what they're expecting and it's a tradition, but also because they have a reason to go to it because it's not totally foreign to them. So at the Nutcracker, you will see normal people there because they have some connection to what they're they're going to, and what they're going to is a Christmas tradition. No, Tchaikovsky really hit it out of the park with that. Um, he did that with the 1812 Overture, too. People have a connection to that. So, reaching outsiders and bringing them to the inside is the overall strategy that we need to have to build back audiences. And as conductors, the biggest thing that we can do is with the repertoire that we perform and when we perform it and finding something to relate to people that they already have a connection with. It's like you get, you know, you get these ads on your Facebook and you get these ads all over the internet where you see something and most of the time it's something you might be interested in. That's because of targeting. That's because they say, um, I want to target this workout equipment to people that have recently searched for workouts. And we need to do something like that with normal people. We can't put Brahms 2 on the headline of a concert and expect any outsiders to give a shit or care or go investigate enough. They've got too much stuff on their plate. But if we do, I don't know, something about musical lineage with Brahms and Schumann and Dvorak, or if we do Dvorak 9 during Black History Month, not to, you know, just check the diversity box, but to make a statement about, here's a composer who came and said that black music is going to be the future of American music, and then then people have something connect, to connect it with. Take it a step further. Have somebody come speak. Have a black poet come speak. Have a historian come talk about Dvorak and um, 
and the impact during Black History Month to do more than just tokenism on that concert. Make it an event that people can come to and care about and then teach them about it while they're there. So this is just the beginning of this discussion. There's also lots of stuff we can do in marketing that'll change how people, um, how outsiders can connect. Just a real quick preview. Again, we have, we'll talk about this a lot with Ruth Hart in her, um, in her interviews, or you can go check out her content. Um, She talks specifically about overall marketing for symphonies and um, seeing it as, as a jobs to be done rather than egocentric, look at us, look at us, look at us. Most orchestras are saying, look at this incredible orchestra, we're an incredible orchestra, look at this incredible music we're performing, you should think it's so good that you need to come and pay us to do it. When we only market our concerts as music, and this is where I get on my soapbox, so I'm going to very intentionally not do that, when we only market our concerts as the music that we're performing and the performers on stage, we are only marketing to people who care about the music that we're performing. If you think about um, when you're going, so there's a, there's a term in marketing called in-market. When you are actively searching for a concert, you are in-market for what we're offering. But that's a tiny market. The market for people who are actively searching for classical music concerts right now is very small. It's not big enough because you're not going to get all of them and it's not that big anyway. What we need to do is expand that in-market audience that we're looking for. And my favorite example is if you're looking for a meditation app, you are in-market for a meditation app. Meditation apps can say, hey, I'm looking for people who are looking for meditation apps. Let me show them their ad. You're going to see those ads for those meditation apps. That's a pretty tiny market at any one time. Not that many people are looking for meditation apps actively. Just like not that many people are looking for a classical concert to go to actively. There are some, but again, that audience of insiders is not big enough anymore to be sustainable for the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years. So we need to make these changes now before we all before we all um, don't have enough audiences anymore. So in-market for meditation apps is small. In-market for symphony is very small. But... There's something, I don't know if there's an actual marketing term for this, but what I call potential in market. If the meditation apps want to reach people who are not specifically looking for meditation apps, but are potentially ready for for a meditation app, they're going to go find people that are stressed. Now, if you're stressed, you're not in market for a meditation app necessarily, but you are potentially in market. Um, this is called affinity, but it's, it's a little bit different, but so I call it potential in market. So you are potentially in market for a meditation app. The meditation app can say, Hey, are you stressed? You should try our meditation app. Now they've taken their audience from like the, the 0.0001% of people who are actively looking for a meditation app and they've expanded it to everybody that's stressed, which is a lot of people. If you market to everybody that's stressed, and you only get 0.001 people of them to actually download your meditation app, that's so much more than if you had only done the in-market audiences. So how does this apply to orchestras? Well, again, our in-market audience is so small. It's so incredibly small. We need to reach outside of it. But what if we 
looked at the potential in-market audience. If we go from people looking for classical music concerts and widen it out one step, we get to people looking for arts events in town. Okay, that's a little bit bigger. We can do that, but we're already kind of doing that. If we go once more, then we start to get to multiple markets. But if we say people are looking for events, okay, what if we expand to people looking for gifts for a loved one? That's a much bigger pool than people looking for arts events. What if we expand to people looking for a unique date night out? Okay, that's getting a lot bigger. People looking for some time away from the kids and from the busyness of life so they can sit in a dark room and listen to some great music for two hours. Okay, now we're starting to get to a much bigger audience. We're competing with more things, but we are always competing with those things. So why not compete with those things in a bigger audience? So if we start to think about ourselves as a service that caters to people that are stressed, that people that want some time away from work, to people that want a really unique night out, to people that want to buy a gift for a loved one. I'm stealing almost all of this directly from Ruth's work. So go ch- go check her out too. But this is this is jobs to be done theory. And it's more complicated than this. But we can we can do this in our marketing, we can do this in our programming. Instead of our service being we perform really great music really, really well, our service becomes if you're stressed or you want a gift idea. A symphony concert's a great way to do that. And now we're reaching a bigger audience. Now we're starting to reach outsiders. Whether they become insiders later doesn't matter because we need them to come to a concert for the first time before we can get them to come to a concert for the second time. So in another episode, this is getting longer than I intended it to. In another episode, we will discuss how we get people to come back to the concerts. There are a lot of little things we can do. Um... But try going to a concert and see how good of a time you have. That's just one example. I went to a concert a couple months ago and I was like taking notes about all the things. I was like, oh, oh, this is bad. So there are a lot of tiny things that you can do to make your concerts more interesting for people to come. But try to go to a concert with open eyes. Look at your symphony. Look at your ensemble. Look at what you do as a service for normal people who are looking for something special, not who are looking to go see Brahms Symphony Number no. 2 live with an orchestra, because that in-market group is like six people. Like, seriously, so few people are looking for that, it's not even worth marketing to, almost, if you're going to spend any money on marketing. The much bigger return for your marketing, for your programming, is to ask how you can attract outsiders by meeting them where they are. And again, where they are is not where we are. Because we are not just insiders, we are hardcore insiders. So again, there's a lot of active empathy that you need to engage to come to the conclusion and understand that the things we care about, most people don't care about them. And to get them to care about them, we need to meet them where they are. And by them, I mean our potential audiences. And by our potential audiences, I mean 99% of the humans on the planet. Because most people are not already in our circle. And if we're going to survive, and if we're going to reach people, and if we're going to make changes in their lives, we can't just sit back and do what we've already done. So, to recap, building back audiences is about bringing in new audiences and making those audiences come back. We only talked about bringing in new audiences today. We must bring in new audiences because our group 
of audiences that we've been serving for 100 years are literally dying. That group is not big enough anymore. It's getting smaller and smaller and smaller. The paradigm shift that we have to make is to understand the difference between insiders who we have served and outsiders who we have not served. We can bring outsiders to become insiders by reaching reaching them where they are, by programming music that they might be familiar with, or by organizing concerts with a selling point more interesting than the music that you are performing. Unless you're doing Beethoven 9, maybe Beethoven 5, those concerts kind of, Beethoven 9 sells itself, Nutcracker sells itself. Not that stuff. But that's a good example of the things that people come to because they already have a relationship to it. And then thinking about our marketing. I need to do a whole marketing episode um, because this is what I've been digging into for like the past two years. And it's so incredible how bad orchestras are at marketing. I mean, our posters look great if you already know who Janacek is or who Masorsky is or if you care who Rachmaninoff is, which some people do. Anyway, again, this episode is much longer than I intended it to. But this is just a primer on some of the things we're talking about. I wanted to make sure you guys got something this week since my fancy podcasting program wasn't working. And, um, you know, reach out if you have any questions. We're going to keep talking about this stuff. This is like becoming my mission to, <laughs> to help orchestras like bring new people in and actually connect with people because we've only been connecting with the people who already know that we exist and not enough people know how awesome our music is and how great our concerts are so send us an email leave a comment on um on facebook or instagram reach out to us i'd love to hear what you think i'd love to continue this uh this conversation in our facebook group the podium time inner circle um and i'm gonna do another live podcast um, editing session slash Zoom hangout uh, pretty soon. And um, I hope you can be there. So thank you so much for listening. Um, encourage, Encourage your staff and encourage yourselves to have radical empathy for the people that are not coming to your concerts. Because those people deserve <laughs> the incredible music that we play but they don't know anything about it, and so they're not going to come. One other um, metaphor that I shared in our interview with Jerry Lynn Johnson is um, that when I was living in an apartment, I would get ads in the mail for window cleaning services. And it's not that I didn't know that that window cleaning service didn't exist. You know, that window cleaning service, I'm sure they want me to say, oh, wow, window cleaning, I should get that from this particular company. Um, But because I live in an apartment, I didn't care. And that's what we have been doing with our orchestras. We've been saying, hey, come here, Sibelius' Second Symphony. And most people are like, why? Why should I care when I've got all this other stuff to do? So as conductors... It is our job to rethink how we are leading our ensembles, how we are programming our concerts, and how we are reaching the people that don't know yet, yet, why they should care. Again, thank you so much for listening. This is my passion, and 
I'm so glad you could be here, and I'm so glad I could share all these thoughts that are going around in my head from all this learning. I'm going to be organizing them better, so this episode may even be taken down as I put a different one up, but, you know, I don't know. I'm going to stop rambling, and I'm going to let you get along with your day, and I'm going to get along with my day because I've got to go do a dress rehearsal, and um, thanks so much for listening, and have a great day, and go be an awesome conductor because that's what our art needs is more, better leaders. Okay. See ya.